0: sometimes, but don't be afraid to be a source of light. Peace, good people. Peace. V, how you feeling? I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited today.
1: You're excited today? I am. I like that.
0: I'm hella excited. How you feel?
1: I'm hella excited that you hella excited. Oh, well, thank you. Nah, but um, I feel like in abundance. I just feel abundant right now. Yes. This is... I mean, we're in the zone of purpose, of impact, of necessary storytelling. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Soul Affirmations with Felicia and Kariga.
0: With Kariga and Felicia.
1: And most importantly, you, the listener on the Black Love Podcast Network.
0: Yes. What's happening? Oh, today is such a special day. If you were in the room, you would see I'm smiling from ear to ear. I have a very special friend who happens to be a very special guest for our podcast today. Mm-hmm. And I could read her bio, but the truth is I don't have it. And that's OK. I don't need a bio because I have a relationship that is standing. I want to say, man, how many years has it been? It's over 10 years now. I know for sure. It's over because a decade for sure. Because I remember telling her when you proposed to me <laughs> Wow Yeah, so um, this is a very, very special wow. friend of mine And you may have heard her name across a few episodes As Karee and I have processed some of our grief And some of the ways that our loved ones have showed up for us mm-hmm. And I will introduce her as Angel Gregorio She is in the house yeah. Real live all the way from D.C.
1: <laughs> Angel, how are you feeling today?
2: I feel good but i also feel pressure to sound sexier y'all sound good
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey B he got that on live no,
2: everybody says i gotta work on this
1: <laughs> you know i um i'll say that uh there is no way i could come to dc mm-hmm. uh dc proper right we're talking about the 202 yeah and um not come and spend time with angel oh like, yeah right yeah like here we are um able to storytell in this way Mm -hmm. at the Kennedy Center Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but when we knew we were coming to DC Angel was at the very top always of that of that list of people who we want to spend time with
0: always easy and
1: so fortunate to um, connect yes and 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 create reference in this way Mm mm-hmm So thank you so much for joining
0: us. Always. Yes. So when I met Angel, we were in a cognitive assessment class at Howard University with Dr. Reed.
1: (laughs) Wow. Yes.
0: Angel sat across from me. And at the time she was in the school psychology program at Howard and I was in the ed psych one. And this is like before the thesis. So um, this is like before the master's portion for me. And It was a fun class, first and foremost, but I think the first thing that you might notice about Angel is her energy, her smile, and how cute she is. Like, Angel (laughs) always came dressed, okay? And not only was she just, like, dressed, she had on heels, but here's the (laughs) context— Angel was pregnant (laughs) very she was pregnant and we'd be like Angel. I mean she would walk with so much spunk Mm -hmm. so much funk and we'd be like where is you going like this you know and but what I loved about Angel is that right away you could sense that she was a giver and she was from DC and like getting to know more about her person. I think you just can't help but want to lean in and get to know her more. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. I mean, in this class, like Angel was giving me game on like, like finances at the time. Like, girl, you could do this, you could do this. Like, and everything was easy. You know?
1: <laughs> and this is cognitive development. This is
0: cognitive assessment. Okay. Okay. okay, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, and I think I kind of jumped ahead before we even go into more about the relationship I actually pulled an affirmation from my book that I wanted to um, read and I guess allow it to set the tone and it's, um, it's on page 44 if you have it and it says sometimes the art is showing up to the day differently than you've done before mm. sometimes the art is showing up to the day differently than you've done before
1: Sometimes the art is showing up to the day differently than you've done mm, before, you've done That's before. So
0: good. yeah and I think I selected this one because of the many ways that i've I've watched angel show up in uh the many different phases of her life I think angel when I met you like I said it was school psych right yeah. and I think you even had like a little card line
2: yeah and <laughs> oh my gosh she I know <laughs>
0: And um, I know that you were doing like work in the community, and I feel like that's just a general term because this is who you are. You're always doing some type of community impact work, but you were also in the schools, a vice principal, and one day you're walking down the street and you see a for lease sign, and you're like, "Okay, I'm gonna get it."
2: Yeah. Random.
0: Random. <laughs> and and went with it and opened up a spice shop, which is this beautiful space that is held for not only just spices, but for other black women in their businesses. And I think that's just a little portion to name, like how Angel gives and shows up for her community.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's why I selected that particular affirmation. And this is just one part of her Life, right? Obviously, she can tell us more. And in fact, I would love if you would just tell us more about your story.
2: Where do I start? I mean, clearly born and raised in D.C., right? Like that is, this this is home for me. Mm -hmm. I love this city. I'm a D.C. public schools graduate, went on to Howard University twice, so gave them all my money. (laughs) Um, Still giving them money, trying to to find it. Um, And now, you know, as you said, I went from being an assistant principal to a spice girl. So Mm -hmm. I literally travel the world for spices and spice inspiration um, and curate all sorts of unique, fun things to flavor your food and that's just kind of like the the thing that makes people come in the door right like when you come to the spice suite that's what you come for for the flavor but i really wanted to create a community like i knew that i would not feel fulfilled if i left work that i thought was meaningful And became the owner of a retail shop. Like, it just didn't feel like the right, the logical next step. Like, how do you go from teaching in a youth jail and being a counselor and an assistant principal, a dean, and now you sell spices? Like, that just didn't sound like the story that would make Mm. me feel good about myself. But what I did know is that I wanted to invite community in. Like I couldn't be out in the community Because business You know Starting a business A brick and mortar space Required a lot of me But I knew that I could create physical space For people Mm -hmm. And that was the start Of my journey Um, And now I You know I call my business model And my new space Black and forth Because it is the idea Of going back and forth For black people And that is what has sustained me For seven years in business Is going back and forth For black people um, Because we deserve Our own spaces And our stories Are so nuanced And we all You know we, we need so much And sometimes The thing The very thing we need Is simply opportunity So mm. if all I can provide Someone is opportunity To pop up And share space Then let's do it uh, Because there were So many times in my life Where I was Wishing someone had created an opportunity for me or for my brothers, you know, I think, you know You guys know Mm -hmm. my I have two brothers serving life in prison and so that Um has shaped so much of who I am and how I move through the world and how I give Um, I also have a you know a sister who's been missing for 21 years that you know That impacts how I give so definitely when you said that like giving is who I am and community is who I am Um, it is and I don't know that it is it would be who I am had I not lost so much. Mm. Um, so it's this very interesting space of like grateful that this is who I am, but dang, did I have to lose so much to become this person?
1: <sighs> but
2: that's who I am. Like that's my bio. That's that who is- I am.
0: <laughs> Whoa, Angel. And it's like I I know this this part of your life, like we've had these conversations about this type of loss that you've experienced which is a very unique case of, of losing someone because they're actually physically still here. But in the case of your sister, you can't physically see her, but it's like you know and and or you don't know, right? Yeah. Um, and how these experiences have shaped our value for community, I think is amazing because in the processing of it all, right, we know that we our choice behaviors are mitigated by like our lived experiences and you have a very unique set of lived experiences, but you so beautifully show up to the day differently.
1: Yeah. I was really, um, just listening to the, the themes and the, and what transcends in this, in this space, in mm-hmm. this work, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, when you said sometimes the art is showing up today different than you have done before what really touched me was knowing Angel. Yes. Um, But it's always so beautiful to hear somebody uh, articulate for themselves some of the nuances of their story. Mm -hmm. And it was this, like this duality. Mm. And it was, it was happening in like my vision. And I was trying to compute or make sense of or understand or be with this person who has experienced immeasurable measurable loss mm-hmm. continues to pour into people and spaces uh, so abundantly it, it leaves room for great question of like, yeah, who are you? Where does this come from? Right. This resolve that is within you. The thing that I admire when, when angel talked about becoming a real life spice girl and, traveling the world and getting spices and flavors infused and bringing it back uh, to the spice suite you would never be able to see this in another space operate like this mm. um, it isn't just the business model it is the personal yeah. mission uh, and values of angel that has transformed a what could be seen as retail and it took into a community space when, when Angel posed the question, how do I do all this meaningful work and then open a retail shop? It didn't make sense to her. And I love that she was asking herself that question. I love that you were asking yourself that question, Angel, because it gave me insight to your values. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think that really blew me away is I remember. I remember calling Angel. And asking if we could hold space at the Spice Suite
0: Mm -hmm.
1: a couple of years ago, before the podcast, when we were shaping and doing uh, storytelling and community differently. Yeah. And something so memorable about that day inside the Spice Suite were the people who came and were not uncomfortable or intimidated uh, to sit with us in our grief.
0: Oh, yeah. I very much remember that.
1: I remember Angel making space for it all. Mm-hmm. And I kept wanting to thank you, Angel. And she would say, you know, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing. Stop, stop, right? right? Stop, stop. Come on, uh, come on. But God, <laughs> I'm going to go on record again and say how much I value the way you have created space and created the conditions that allow us to be connected and see the best parts of one another. Mm. Right? Every customer who comes into your store. Um, could have been having a different type of day. Before they came into your space. Your space allows us to see the best parts of one another. And that is such a high level. Work. Yes.
0: Absolutely. And when I when you name that. I think about the students in your lives. That come back and visit you. Um, I think about really how much you and Kariga have in common with the lens that you use to view young people. It so much, very much reminds me of, of I mean, each other. Like, I, I don't even have the language for it. There's, there's this understanding that is applied in how you all love. The way that you practice love mm-hmm. for your people is so incredibly special. I mean, to see them outside of their circumstance, to be, I guess, to understand what is placing them and the situations that they're in and then still choosing to to love them in a way where you make space for them and provide resources for them and show up for them.
2: I think it's because you, or I, like genuinely believe in them, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like, if I believe that these kids really can change the world and do something revolutionary, Mm -hmm. then I have to show them that because kids who see love, show love, right? So it's like I have to show it to them Mm -hmm. because if not me, then who? And I think it's what you're
0: saying too, not... Just showing them, Angel. But like, if we take it back to Howard and the theories that we've learned and what we understand about our efficacy and believing in ourselves, there's a part of it where someone believing in you also helps you understand what you can do. It it's it's like it turns on a light switch for you.
1: Absolutely. I I mean, it is the living form of an affirmation it is right so this is why we do this work in affirmations mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes you might be in circumstances where you may not have that person to speak into you so you also have to learn to speak into yourself mm-hmm. but in the event that you are fortunate to come across a space like the spice suite or black and forth <laughs> or just be an angel's presence you also get to experience somebody affirming you mm-hmm. right believing in you and lifting you but i, I can't separate that from the phrase when you said, if they just had an opportunity Mm -hmm. and then you so quickly pivoted into uh, a part of your identity that says I have two brothers serving life. Yes. Right. And a sister I haven't seen in 20 odd years. So what's happening inside my brain and inside my body, I'm feeling, I can feel it in my heels, it's running all up my body. About that part of your uh, belief in our young people, seeing what happens when somebody shows up for them because you've experienced uh, the opposite or the circumstances differently for those who you love so dearly, your siblings. We're not talking about people outside no. of a, We're mm-hmm. talking about siblings, mm-hmm. some of the closest familial bonds. Mm-hmm. I just want to make space for that, Angel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Could you tell us, I guess in a sense, I'm curious. In since becoming angel parents right now, part of my grief also includes uh, my brother being shot and killed in 2014 when I was here teaching and leading schools in D.C. And I will say that that hurt me, I still feel it. It broke me in a way, but I had seen so much gun violence. Uh, and it, when, it, when it happened in my family that way, it was just confirmation that n- none of us are excluded, right? Uh, nobody is 100% um, certain that, that harm can't find them. And mm-hmm. when you live in communities that are shaped like ours, look like ours. Mm-hmm. But it was when I became an angel parent that I understood grief as an experience of love. And I also understood that grief is a, is a wide human experience that does not just include the physical transition or loss of life or proximity. So I guess I want to ask with gentleness and curiosity. Do you define and or experience it, or call it uh, grief concerning your brothers who are alive but away from your touch, care, and love?
2: Yeah, um, it's it's weird though, right? Like I call it grief. I think I experience it as grief. Because it sounds so much like when I listen to folks who have lost their siblings Mm -hmm. physically, right? Mm -hmm. Like when their siblings aren't here, the same things they feel, the same things they wonder. Like I still have to wonder what my brothers look like now. I don't get to see them often, Mm -hmm. right? I still wonder like what would they be doing? You -hmm. know, would would they have gone to that concert? Like I wonder if they would even like that music. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, would, would my little brother have had children, like he never, you know, he was 19 um, when he was locked up. So I'm like, dang, I wonder what type of dad he would be. Would my kids love him? So it's the same questions that I think we start to ask is when I realize they're like, yeah, this is grief. Like we have the same wonders. Mm-hmm. Um, because I get 12-minute phone calls every now and then does not mean anything because I feel like those 12-minute phone calls almost feel like um whispers Mm. they aren't loud enough that it feels real the relationship still doesn't feel real enough to me like I tell my brothers all the time like we don't even know each other and they hate when I say it because they're like well I talk to you all the time Shalata you know they call me by my middle name (laughs) I talk to you all the time and you know to them they they don't want to think that right like they would of course don't want to think that they are being grieved that they are no longer with us, but it's, it's this very nuanced thing because it's like, it's almost like talking to the dead, right? Like they would like to believe that they are physically present and available and around and can share in all the things, but to the people on the other side, it's like, you're actually not here. Mm -hmm. You actually don't know. Um, I actually can't help you understand this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But you also have to be gentle with that because I don't want to um, make them feel invisible Mm -hmm. because they're absolutely not invisible. I just can't experience them the way I want to. And I feel like that is a part of grief too. And what makes grief so heavy is yes. that I, I, it's not that I forgot you. It's not that you're no longer, you know, it's, it, it's clearly that you're no longer here, but it's really that I don't get to experience you the way I want to.
0: Mm-hmm. The way I want to, the way I thought the I, way would, way all
2: I, I would, all of that. All of it. The way you deserve to be experienced. Yep. All of that is so real. Um, and it's so unfortunate Um You know, and I think it's kind of like what Kariga was saying about his you know, just like almost this desensitization um, that comes with, you know, especially with violence. Um, And when you lose someone in that way, I think incarceration has a very similar kind of, you know, experience. Mm -hmm. It's like so many, my my father was locked up, my mother was locked up. Like I've grieved my entire immediate family at different points in my life and I Mm -hmm. still grieve. You know, Mm -hmm. my mother's on drugs. Mm -hmm. My mother's walking and talking and present, you know, when I I need her to be or when I, not when I need her to be, that was wrong. When I, um, um, she's available when I make her available. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. But I still grieve the loss of my mother because yeah. this mother that I experience now who is struggling with this disease of drug addiction is not the mommy I wanted mm-hmm. or yeah. need. Mm-hmm. And I don't get to experience her in the same way. So I've not experienced my immediate family in the ways that I want them to. Mm-hmm. Um and that's a lot. That's hard.
0: Yeah.
2: Because yeah. it challenges my, um, my own identity, too, because that's, you know, we use our siblings, our parents to, you know, identify, like, who we are in some ways, especially mm-hmm. early on. Yep. Like, I talk like my mother. I look like my father. I, this, you know, it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. these metaphors and similes mm-hmm. that we use um, with respect to those that are closest to us. And for me, I felt like they were never themselves. So I never fully could identify with them. Mm.
1: This is profound that, one, it is the many different levels that you've just articulated, that you've experienced uh, life differently than you imagined. Yeah. But we're not just talking about plans. We're talking about people. hmm. Right. Uh, and, and when your plans don't resolve, that is can be very hard it can be life-changing but we're talking about your people mm-hmm. angel when you said that uh you know i talk like my mother i look like my father we use this familial bond and this proximity to i to, to come to know ourselves mm-hmm. and i hear that many times over you've had to you weren't afforded the opportunity to fully see yourselves and the ones that you're closest to in your family bond and I'm also curious how the affirmation is. Sometimes the artist showing up today differently than you've done before. The divinity that you would choose that, and um, to know angels, to know that she is an artist. If she never lifts the paintbrush, it doesn't matter. Um, she's a collector of art. She believes in black artists. She invests in black artists. She brings black artists into her space. Um, her. It's- Her her fashion, her sense of color, her her sense of style and being is all art. And
0: And her cooking.
1: Listen to me, Slim. That's where it started. (laughs) And her cooking. Let's be very clear. Hey, that me up on that one. She is. is, No, we are. Oh, no, but we are. The little black cookbook is still on top. It's still, okay? I remember that. She is
0: incredibly
1: creative. We got food at home. Right, we got food. But, which, but, but, yes, go but, ahead. But I'm, I'm 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 tripping off of the cooking. You just made me hungry.
0: I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I was saying is that uh, in her description of herself, like I've had all these losses, and this is who I am. When I heard that, it like it just went deep within me. It, yes. And it, and it made me um, sit with it gently and quietly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'm hearing this theme that is coming forward. That when so many changes have happened around her, she's had to show up to the day differently. So much, so many more times than I think most people do in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. I mean, we casually went through about four careers, right? In the first, (laughs) we didn't even talk about all of it. Right? Yeah, we (laughs) casually went through our four careers in about (laughs) forty seconds, right? Yeah, and that is just Angel. Yeah, but. Yes, you have this amazing personality. Yes, you have this self-efficacy. But I am so deeply curious about, I guess, the connection. I don't know if it's a correlation because it's not scientific, right? <laughs> That's what. I, but there's this connection between all the things that have changed in your life and all the times you decided to change your life mm-hmm. uh, with a type of conviction that so many people wish they had. Mm-hmm. But could they truly have that type of conviction without the losses you've experienced? Mm. Angel does what she puts her mind to. Yes. At a, at a rate that would really make you think like, yo, she's superhuman. (laughs) But I want to just also acknowledge angel that the circumstances that have caused you to figuratively, if you will, rebirth yourself so many times, it is a joy it is an honor. It is a wonder to watch you shape the world. Uh, to watch you leave your mark on the world that tried to leave scars on you. Mm. Everywhere you go, your love is present. Your mm-hmm. presence is known. Mm-hmm. Um, your presence is connected to loving your people. Mm-hmm. Can't nobody in this whole region speak about her, the way she loves her people. No one can critique that. mm I just think it's I just think it's it's wonderful. It's full of wonder, I mean. Yes. Like
0: Yes. Yeah. And I and I agree with you. And um, as I sit and listen to Angel, like I said, I've heard her story before. We've had conversations and whenever we have the conversations, I do my best to be as gentle as I can and just listening and acknowledging like what the story has been. This is my first time hearing the relationship between her her losses and her giving. And I think they're incredible, but I cannot escape thinking of even the ways that she showed up for us in our grief, I've always wondered, like, I mean, I, I've, I had a general understanding. Like, I know that Angel understands loss. But I also selected, sometimes the art is showing up to the day differently than you've done before, because in the experience of my grief, whenever I've ever talked to you, Angel, I feel like you've always opened that up for me and have allowed me to just, however today is fee, this is enough for today. And not just like with Kamayu, but when I was pregnant with Kamali, that was so key for me. And I think I, I know I've talked about it here on this podcast, but one of the game changing perspectives that you had offered me during my pregnancy was that you would tell me Fee, this is different. And you know it's different by how you feel everything different it's happening differently so just wow. allow it to happen differently and it was a game changer for me angel you have so much wisdom mm-hmm. and i'm mm-hmm. just incredibly grateful that i can call you my friend especially in the middle of my grief and i, I don't take that lightly you know that, that's not none of it is easy and and none of it has like it it doesn't happened to you because of this you yeah. know how people try yeah. to make sense of your pain and yeah. your mm-hmm. sorrow like it's not even any of that yeah you know um and I, I just want to name that the ways that angel has showed up for us yeah we have woken up to brunch on anniversaries. <laughs> <laughs> i mean just a beautiful birthday cake flowers
1: One of my favorite ways Angel has shown up for us includes the first time we were traveling to D.C. Okay. And you may have heard Felicia tell the story before we were traveling to D.C. And we uh, we spent time and we lit Kamayu's candle every day and we weren't able to travel with her urn. And it was really hard for Felicia and I, but really hard for Felicia's norms and connecting with our child. And we got to the airport, and she was really, really sad, and and she she had her head down. She was looking down, and because she thought she was, you know, without her child, and she looked down, and she had on her uh, Kamayu Soul uh, sweatpants and sweatsuit that was gifted from Angel, and that I remember that one specifically. I'm, I rem- actually remember everything, but I'm using that one because you talked about her wisdom, right? Um, To send you like that. Uh, That touched me deeply and I I remember it. I also want to remark that um, for our listeners, I am experiencing for the first time uh, in DC. Well, this experience is happening to me for the first time and it's happening in DC. The stories that our guests are sharing. Is challenging me to be with it. Mm. And I thought about how folks learn to be with our story, Uh, the discomfort and the beauty. Mm -hmm. And I am doing the work to grow and evolve in that way. I think I learned how to sit with (laughs) Angel Parenthood and his many presentations, and all of our angel Parent friends around the world. I have not yet learned to sit with the circumstances that impact our lives that are a direct result of the Black-lived experience. Everything you named, everything you named um, has its connection to the Black experience in D.C. And that challenges me because of how much I love my people. And as much as we want to hear stories about us doing well and showing up well and believing in our young people, the losses that you have sustained silence me. Mm. There's no there's nothing I can offer but my love. No words to make it make sense. I love you and I admire you and I have a deep respect for how you're still being angel. You're still becoming like we talked about the spice suite in the chapter that was, but black and forth is a huge undertaking. <laughs> Ooh, it's big. No, it's bigger than anything I've imagined so far.
0: It is.
2: it's historic.
1: The person who holds that holds this.
2: Mm-hmm. I bow. I'm <laughs> grateful. I really am. Like someone asked me, I guess a couple weeks ago, were like, um, are you proud of yourself? And I was like, I don't know. Mm. Um, and it, it kind of connects back to this like conversation of grief and loss, right? It's like when you, I want to be proud of myself. I think the difficulty is in the inability to fully celebrate because the people I would call first either would, would can't answer
0: mm.
2: or they can't respond the way that I would need them to to affirm that this thing that I feel is pride. Like I can call my mother and tell her, you know, I've told her, I bought this commercial space, Ma. I renovated it. I'm turning it into this multi-use, you know, commercial development, multi-million dollar project. You know, I'm doing this, you know, by myself. And she's like, that's so cool. She doesn't even know what to say, right? Yeah. Like, I am living mm-hmm. beyond her dreams, yeah. beyond what she could see for herself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think it's difficult for people to... um it's difficult for people to celebrate you when they can't even understand what you're articulating to them. Mm -hmm. And my mom doesn't often understand the experiences that I have yeah. but that also goes back to again you know the previous conversation about connectivity like there isn't really much connecting us because she's not who she really was supposed to be mm-hmm. and I think you know when I hear stories from my uncles her brothers and you know folks who know my mother and they talk about you know who she was at my age or even younger they're like your mother would have been doing something just like this and I'm wow. like really Wow! Mm. I wouldn't have known You know, I wouldn't have known, but I, you know, and I wonder sometimes, like, does she see that? Like, does she see me as this manifestation of who she could have been had cocaine not been introduced in the 80s? You know, like, would she be me? Like, would we be more like one another? Would Would my mommy be my best friend? And I don't know. So it makes it hard to say, like, am I proud? Like, my brothers, you know, of course, I tell them and they, you know, send me messages and tell me all the time, like, we so proud of you. Like, look at where we came from and you out here doing it. And, you know, and it's like, it's cool. But it's like, I know, I know that they're excited. But it's like, you don't even really know what I'm trying to say. Like, you not, you don't even know what I'm doing, really. So, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's very interesting, like, trying to receive compliments from, it's like, I want them to compliment me. I want them to be proud of me. But it definitely makes me question, like, is this pride like am i Mm. proud of myself can i be proud of myself Mm -hmm. if i without being celebrated by the people that i love the most Mm. and i don't know i'm i'm still Mm. processing that and you know trying to figure out what that what that looks like for me Mm. um and maybe one day i'll find an answer
0: Yeah. yeah and and it's and it's timing right yeah yeah But when I hear that, I can definitely hear the nuances and layers of grief. Yeah. That you're describing. Yeah. It's it's this how you would even want them to show up for you. The idea that you would have about how they would do it Mm -hmm. and and that being completely different and. Having to navigate that, that is no that is no easy feat. It's
2: but it's. But I, I, it's like, I actually, yeah, it's the work. Thank you. And I think, you know, what what I always think about, you know, with my brothers, they get so frustrated. I I never told my brothers that I purchased the the space, the black and four. I never told them about it. I think some other people saw, you know, Mm -hmm. on social media, friends that we have in common told them. But I struggle with even sharing with my brothers and my mother in particular things that I'm doing that I'm, you know, could be proud of. Because I know that they're still suffering and it feels like bragging Mm. because I'm like, how dare I use up this 12 minute phone call from the Federal Bureau of Prisons to talk about all the things that I'm doing? That feels so selfish. Mm. It's like, how dare I brag to my mother who is like struggling and doesn't even know who she is about how. You know, this article that was written about me and all this life changing work that I'm doing like, girl, how dare you? That's not important. Like, that's not what you should be using your phone call for. Mm. That's not what you should be calling your mother for, which then puts me in a space of always having to give mm. and showing up as the person who helps. Because I'm like, if all we have is 12 minutes, let me make sure he's good. Let me see what I, what he needs. Mm-hmm. You know, if mm-hmm. I don't have my mother for long, mm-hmm. let me make sure my mother's good. Let me take her out and get her some, you know, some clothes and some shoes and, you know, make sure she, she has what she needs for the winter.
0: Mm-hmm. I understand that. I understand that process, Angel.
1: One of my favorite things about what we are experiencing is the very essence of how we got here. Soul Affirmations was never a podcast based on answers. It was based on essential questions.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Curiosity. yes, Investigating processes. Mm-hmm. Cognitive processes. Grief as a process. Grief as an experience of love angel named the people she loved yeah, and remains in service to. And even with what feels like so much success in the world, it shows that connectedness and belongingness remains an essential human need. Mm -hmm. And since I know what tribe I come from, these aren't people that I don't know. I know what tribe I come from. I'm naturally inclined to want to, Bring the good back to the tribe, but it is mass incarceration and the war on drugs has caused these worlds of divide.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That, um, as our previous guest, uh, Tony Lewis Jr., was suggesting, it's not just about those incarcerated, but it's the harm that is caused to those they belong to. Yes. Right? Yes. Those that love them. Yeah. And here we are hearing so clearly from Angel, the, <laughs> the, the entrepreneur, the, the community servant leader, the owner of Black and Forth. Uh, we hear these very human things that are happening mm-hmm. outside of mm-hmm. the headlines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the person who has shown up for us mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to hear you articulate these things and to know, again, like I say, the role that this government isn't that a unique thing? Mm. Um, I'm more inclined to say this government than our government. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because of the clear indicators and behaviors that you have, you weren't for me. Mm -hmm. You waged a war on me and my people. Mm -hmm. And angel shines through this war. Um, Nothing in this, Lifetime is more powerful than love.
0: And her, the way that she shines, I believe, is evidence of it, as she has articulated.
1: With most certainty.
0: It is absolute evidence of your love. It's even though I'm going to withhold myself in this conversation is evidence of your love. right? I'm going to take you out and shop as evidence of your love. And I think even as I'm sitting here reflecting on. All of the things that I know that you've done for your community, I can't help but think about some of the other community work that you've done that is in direct relationship to your brothers being incarcerated. Um, there is a bill that you helped write,
2: right, Angel? Can you tell us more about that? So there's a, um, a bill, uh, IRA which um, I was a part of the committee on folks to there were these groups of these meetings with stakeholders in the community to help to inform what this act would look like Um, and it's an act that would allow for young people who were convicted of crimes before they were 21 Mm -hmm. to petition for early release after serving at least 15 years in prison clearly we would have loved for it to be much less time but you know here we are Um, and that, that passed and so a lot of folks have come home since wow. that has passed in D.C. And we've, I mean, we've welcomed so many amazing men back to the community um, through Aura who were able to come home and just be. Wow. And just be, right? Like, yeah. because I think a lot of times when we talk about folks who come home, we, end up, we feel like we have to, it with, like, something magnanimous. Like, they were able to come home and be <laughs> a politician or be a this. Yeah, no, they just got to come home. Put them in a box. They just got to come home. B. Like, that. that's come enough. On. Like, just bring them home. Just, you know, open every cell in Attica, send them to Africa. Everything. Like, literally, mm-hmm. just open the gates mm-hmm. and let them come home. Like, that's what we need. Um, and this was... Um, a, a, a small step, and I say small not because I'm minimizing the work, but small because so many more need to come home, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and we need and there needs to be so much more work to be done around that. But I'm always grateful for the work that I'm able to do around you know mass incarceration because I see these men and women as my brothers and my mother, um, and it means so much to me. You know, Tony Lewis Jr. is like a brother to me. Mm-hmm. Tony and I were able to do what we both have called like perhaps the most impactful work we've done in our lifetimes. Um, mm. a, a couple of months, I guess about a year ago, we were able to get some funding private, not through government. We were asked um, to just dream of like what we could do. If we were given an amount of money, what would we do? Um, what type of program would we create? And Tony and I, in like five minutes, because we always in sync, right? <laughs> and we talk all the time and we dream the same dreams about you know how we want to help our people. We were like, Let's help the guys at the halfway house Because DC doesn't have a halfway house anymore You, um, The folks have to go to Baltimore So Tony and I decided to do this program For folks in the halfway house And I'm like, we're going to, you know my, I'm going to put these degrees to work Because I pay Howard a lot of money for it <laughs> So we're going to base this on Maslow's hierarchy of needs And we're going to meet all of their needs And we're going to make sure that they get one-on-one therapy With a black therapist They're going to yeah. have dental care We're going to give them a monthly stipend We're going to pay their phone bill We're going to um, wow. we're gonna do family reunification activities But they allow them For free to take Their families out to dinner At a nice restaurant um, Because they just Coming home We're going to allow them um, Oh God It was so many Components of the program I know I feel like I'm missing things But we were able To do this and we kept extending the program Because every time we would get a little bit more money We were like okay we're going to extend it a little bit more A little bit longer and we were able to help These men um, in a way That has like changed us Like to hear these men you know We we did a, a, some interviews with them At the end of the program and the way they talked About how this program changed them and changed Their lives and again opportunity Right like going yes. back to me saying that that's Sometimes all folks need and me offering the Spice weed is opportunity these men Needed an opportunity and they needed to that somebody was in their corner. Um, so we've been doing a lot of advocacy work around that. And it just, um it's fulfilling, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like Tony's experience, l- the loss of his dad to incarceration. I've experienced a, a ton of loss through yeah. my entire immediate family. So it is never a question of like what I would do. You know, when people yeah. are like, what would you do if you got a million dollars? I'm like, we did it. Like Come I've been on. there, done that. You know, like we did it. We <laughs> yeah. spent all of it on them. Like every single dollar we were like, okay, maybe we can give everybody 15 more dollars. You know, like we're literally trying to spend every single dollar, you know, with these men that we work with and they were just so grateful Um, and we were able to extend it to some of the women at a different halfway house. And it's like, I'm I'm grateful to know that like that's my real, um, my purpose. Mm. Like I was, I know I'm supposed to serve. yeah, um, To be an example for people of like what it looks like to give to the people that are always the most forgotten. Mm. Um, Because, I was forgotten, my brothers were forgotten, my mother, my father, you know, and it's like, I see what it looks like when you forget them and nobody comes and like swoops in and like saves them. And I also know what it looks like to have to save yourself. Mm. Um, Because there was no person that I can identify that was like, oh, I had this mentor, this basketball coach or this, you know, somebody who saved me. Like, I really believe that I saved myself. And I'm grateful that like when I saved myself, that I had a tribe of friends and um, folks around me who like made sure that I didn't fall again. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. When you talked about...
0: (laughs) it's it's so much there angel like and it's funny and when i'm when i'm listening to you talk like sometimes i generate a question and then you go and you answer Uh, my question (laughs) and one of my questions actually was going to be like okay angel like according to your lived experiences right um how do you choose like how do you choose to save yourself but no i i hear what you're saying i hear that you you had a community of friends around you and 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 But what I love about this, though, Angel, it's 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 you making the choice, but it's also you not condemning others for not making that choice either. Right. Like you recognizing the circumstance, which I think is incredibly powerful for someone who is a champion for their community, like.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm never the one that's like, you know, Tony and I talk about this often where, you know, I get frustrated sometimes when folks on social media, you know, and they're just like, yeah, I got to put the guns down and stop shooting each other. I'm like, really? You really think it's that easy? Right. Like, I actually understand why he's carrying the gun. Right. Like, I, it makes total sense. I actually oh, don't know that I would feel OK telling him not to carry. <laughs> and I know that that sounds really controversial. No. But it's like. I actually get it. And I also have been in spaces, you know, I've taught boys who were 16, 17, 18, incarcerated, who read at best on first grade levels. I absolutely understand why he sells cocaine. He's mm-hmm. great at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has nothing else that he sees. Like he doesn't yeah. see any other value. Yeah. I'm not saying that he has no value. No, he, he doesn't see, see any it. other value, right? That so part. I get it. Yeah. And it's not that I'm encouraging it and that I'm you know can telling him to continue on. Like yeah, sell dope for the rest of your life. But it's I, I, I approach people with understanding first. Yeah. Um, and inquiry first, and like you guys said, curiosity first. Yeah. Um, and and less judgment. Um, because me and my brothers were raised in the same house. You know, I tell people yeah. that all the time. Like, I was raised in the same house with my brothers. My brothers are convicted of murder and drugs and guns and all sorts of things, right? And I say we were raised in the same house to say, I'm not that much different than my brothers. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. the, I ain't a killer, but don't mm-hmm. push me. It's like, I'm not that much different. You'd be crazy to think that my, I grew up in a house with all my whole entire... Fa- immediate family has served time in prison and I just happen to be what like blessed with this like calm spirit of yeah. nonviolence. <laughs> that ain't who I am <laughs> like I fight every day to be calm and peaceful like this you is when fighting. I say yeah. when people say like how are you and I respond I'm peaceful sometimes I'm trying to convince myself <laughs> right like I hear you, Angel. I yeah. so it's like I think when we recognize that though I think it allows us to be more empathetic to folks who aren't peaceful because mm-hmm. it's like, I, I get how you got there.
1: Yeah. Circumstances alter cases. They do. Yeah. Right. And it gives yeah. us this great connection to empathy. I love, my favorite thing is that soul affirmations got to take it to that place. Oh yeah. Um, Angel is as multi-layered and multivariate as I, as you, if not more, mm-hmm. not in a comparison scale, but just from life experiences. But I love, I love the ownership on, I don't know if I would actually feel comfortable telling you not to. Like I actually get it. Yes. When we when we lead with uh, love. Yes. And not judgment. Yes. We can see the circumstances that create the conditions. Yes. For the outcomes and/or the behaviors. Yes. And it does not determine or devalue someone's worth. It's the circumstances that we can see. Oh, here's what makes sense. And here's what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just like um, I want that level of honesty mm-hmm. in. Black spaces, black voices, and black storytelling.
0: Yes, and we deserve that. We deserve that
1: level of because honesty. I don't want the I don't want the um, it's it's a uh, all these cliches or the or the rainbow like the rainbow and grief. I get the rainbow, but like what also happens is when we think about um, black people in upward mobility. Or um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what the world deems a success, they try to attribute this value to us, right? Mm-hmm. Like here's what we all believe because we live this way or earn here. No, that's fundamentally not what I believe, and it would be it would be a contradiction, but also just like inconsistent mm-hmm. with loving my people,
0: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the people that she wants to call and celebrate with. Yeah, it would be inconsistent for me to adopt this idea that separates me or separates them from me because of my achievements and ors. That ain't it.
2: Nope. I mean, and the goal is always to get folks to change and grow and evolve, right? Yeah. But we, I mean, we know from psychology that you can't change your behavior without a replacement behavior. Mm-hmm. I can't replace your behavior if I don't fully understand the current one. Come on. So it's like, I have to, I have to develop a deep level, a real level of understanding before I can offer you something different. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you see what happens all over the place where folks have all these programs for youth violence intervention and, you know, drugs and all sorts of things and we're trying to figure out why it doesn't work because you didn't fully understand the behavior mm-hmm. and what was causing the behavior. So you were offering them this like generic replacement mm-hmm. instead of what they need. Like what mm-hmm. exactly are we trying to replace? I'm not trying to take uh-huh. the gun and give you a knife. Like I want, I'm trying to figure out like what is called, co- what's causing you to feel so unsafe. Yes. Right. And I want to address the safety issue, not the gun carrying that's minor. I can easily tell you to put the gun down. I tell my kids all the time, like don't carry that in my car. They'll put it down And tuck it and You know get in the car Yeah That's easy But like don't pick it back up ever
1: That's deep Mm. Especially when you ain't Did nothing to change the conditions Why you gotta have She said I wanna address the safety Not the gun part The safety The thing that threatens your safety Oh Damn Angel's a real one (laughs) I've been trying to tell y'all This is more than This is more than This is who I was in class with Come on a real one (laughs) But like you know Angel one of my favorite things about um, this bond is like you and Angel have a tight relationship yes and Angel and I have a tight relationship yeah we have our own uh, communication our own pattern like just tapping in with each other Mm -hmm. Um, she a real one right yeah like one of my favorite things about how uh, I was able to show up on black love was that I was a true version of myself Yeah, I wasn't a TV version and I wasn't trying to fit inside of a box of what I thought um, this story should look like. And I found that by being my authentic self, I found the brothers I've been looking for. Mm. Right? But I also got, before that story, it feels so empowering when I find the sisters I've been looking for.
0: Mm -hmm. Like I
1: reckon, I have have my biological sisters who are just dope, right? Yeah, They just trailblazers. Um, When I come across that tribe, in my course of the world. Angel certainly represents that. Mm -hmm. Angel, you spoke to us about Black and forth. You spoke to us about uh, the Spice Suite. You've spoken to us about your work in uh, reunification of families and bringing our loved ones home from unlawful incarcerations. Mm -hmm. We spoke about your brother's uh, incarceration your mother's um, experience with substance uh, abuse, as you say, a, a, a illness. And in about the first 20 seconds or 40 seconds of our recording or your voice, we heard you acknowledge a sister who's been gone missing for 20 something odd years. And I am challenging myself To not let it float as a statement, Mm. but to make space to hear your voice surrounding that experience.
2: Yeah, I mean, that has been, um, I guess, yet another experience that I often struggle to find words for, right? Like my mother, you know, I told you she struggles with. Drug addiction. Um, My mother turned over to an adoption agency 21 years ago. My sister turned 22 on December 1st. She turned over a little over 21 years ago. She was still a baby. And at that point, I was too young, you know, 21 years ago, I was too young to, to ask questions, to try to fight. I didn't know what was going on. I just, she's no longer around. Didn't know any difference. So maybe years later, Um, I think when I was still at Howard in undergrad, I started to ask questions about, like, where's my sister? What's going on with her? But my mother, again, wasn't as present then. Now she's present because I make her available. Like I said, back then she wasn't available for me to ask her all the questions I needed. But I ended up, when I was working at the youth jail, I ended up telling my principal there um, about my sister. I don't know what made me tell him, but I ended up telling him that I had a sister that was missing, and he connected me to some attorneys, um, some amazing attorneys in D.C., who tried. Tried to help me find my sister Um, And it was a struggle Because I tried to report her missing A few years prior But they told me I couldn't Because I was too young And that I didn't The the mother would have to report her missing And I'm like But I can't find my mother So it was just this back and forth With MPD, With the police department About who can file a missing persons report So I was never able to do that Um, And so I ended up um, Working with these attorneys They hired private investigators We tried to find her Um, I ended up finding her Social security number Because she was so young You know This was before social media. I didn't have a bunch of pictures Mm -hmm. And you know Cell phone pictures Weren't a thing So I didn't have pictures of her Had her social security number It ended up Not turning up Any results Um anywhere so they it wasn't she never connected to a school to a you know going to a doctor's appointment the FBI tried to get involved to help find her and we you know they kind of concluded that they're not going to close the case but you know we're just going to arrest the case and they said that she could have been sold on the black market um, because that is typical of what could have happened the adoption agency that my mother said she took her to I went there it was like shady they no longer did domestic adoptions they only handled into national adoptions. They didn't have any of the records. I had to get a notarized letter from my mother. So it was just like a whole lot of back and forth. Um, And just, you know, the short of it is that I wasn't able to, you know, to find her. Her name is Kimberly. Um, I wasn't able to find her. And I think about her, um, you know, all the time, but it was just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what that means. Sometimes I'm, you know, I'm out and I see people that look like me or look like my mother. And I'm like, yeah could that be her you know could that be her when people say you know it's often that people will say to me um you know I was out and I saw this girl who looked just like you and granted you know I haven't seen my sister and you know since she was a baby but I'm always like did you get her name you know like where was she where was she where did you see her because I'm like it could have been her um and so I don't know I just I always just hope that um, I think me and Tony had this conversation, tony lewis he he and I had this conversation one day about our you know shared experiences with you know with loss and just the work that we've done in the world. And I think I said to him like sometimes I just really hope that I've done enough good in this world that my karma. Impacts my family Mm. Like bring my brothers home You know Find my sister I'm good If nothing else good Happened for me I, I really hope that Enough of my karma Can impact my family And so I think Some of the good That I do Is really selfishly Hoping that like Maybe the universe you will allow, yeah, will yeah. allow this thing to happen for somebody close to me. Yeah. I'm, I don't, you know, I'm, I, I've, I've experienced a lot of beautiful things in my life that I never yeah. thought I would experience. I've afforded my children a life that I've never experienced and I never imagined for them in um, a the, you know, um, financial space in my life that I, I just honestly couldn't imagine. Like mm-hmm. I went to Howard in undergrad. I never had a book. I couldn't afford books. Mm-hmm. I never had a single book my whole four years at Howard. My friend Portia used to photocopy my chapters for me and meet me on Georgia Avenue every morning. <laughs> and I would like try to read what I could before class. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, so to now to go into, you know, stores and fly my family first class to Africa, like I, I couldn't have imagined this. Um, and so that's why I say like, I've experienced a lot of amazing things. I just want my family to. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just yes. want them to. Yes, mm.
1: yeah. the deepest connection. Yes, the deepest love.
2: Wow! Angel. So I know that I started about Kimberly, no, but I it, went somewhere is, else. But it it's right. was you know, it's connected. all connected. It's, it's all connected, all connected yeah. because yeah. I
0: recognize it as the deepest love. You know, you you um, describe like I don't know if it's selfish, but it's just evidence of your love for your family, and it's like the you you always working on their behalf it's all tied in
1: it's all tied in
0: it's all tied in and and it's it's an incredibly nuanced story that is coupled with with grief and and loss but in the core of it too angel it is like the deepest love that you have for your family and it's so incredibly beautiful that you still hold that for them and it's like i mean we can praise you this mm-hmm. entire episode for how you are a champion for your family immediate and for your community of DC right Yeah. but I I i celebrate you I celebrate you thank you
1: I absolutely celebrate you and the in the ethos that drives it um the question of you know is it sometimes is it selfish in this regard is it just kind of like if so be it uh, I want better for my people and I'm mm-hmm. willing to give it all. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to t- push it, try to tilt the scale. I don't even know where the scale is, but yeah. wherever it's at, I'm trying to stack the weights on it. Yeah. To, Come on. To, to tilt it yeah. just enough mm-hmm. to crack the gates open. Mm-hmm. Just enough mm-hmm. to create a life of freedom and wellness. Yes. Just enough for them to be. Yeah. You don't got to become nothing. Just, just be on this be, side yeah. with just us and be belong free. to us. Yeah. Be free. Yeah. Um, your, your, your why the thing that drives you, the thing that ignites you and just lights, lights up my life, um, I'm so grateful for. I'm honored to be in a space where I get to listen to stories that evolve me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that grow me, mm-hmm. that fill my, my list of things to do uh, with less things and more deeply rooted reasons why those things are what I must do. Right. I don't have this, like I'm not trying to become something. I am trying to be present with what is in front of me uh, and what is within me. And angel, you awaken the greatest parts of my love for my people. Mm -hmm. You speak to the greatest Uh, love I have for um, both Kamayu and Kamali. (laughs) You speak to a part of me that the world doesn't speak to often because somebody would have to have my frame of reference to speak to me. Mm -hmm. And the way that you have uh, continued to pour from your cup, it is my deepest hope and fervent prayer. That your cup remains full, yes, because you pour into so many rivers, banks, neighborhoods, communities, mm-hmm. people. So may your cup always overflow.
2: Mm-hmm. I receive that. You yes. are,
1: you are, a, you are a, a beyond worthy steward, and I admire the way um, you love, mm-hmm. the way you give, mm-hmm. in spite of, and not because of.
0: Mm. Thank you, Rika. Thank you for saying that. Angel, thank you so much for sharing your story with
2: us. Yeah. You. you know, I love y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and that what Tori just said, my famous uh, line. Come on, <laughs> no, you not loving
0: Seriously, because, you know, I told you before we started, Karik always asks, you know, why do we do this? And I say, it's for reference for Mm -hmm. anybody who has had an experience similar to ours, especially Mm -hmm. when living the black experience, there are differences, but there are so many points of connectedness Mm -hmm. that are so important for our processing and you taking the time to make your processing available for them is another way in which you are a champion for us, your community. Mm -hmm. So I thank you before we, um, in our our conversation i have one last question okay so angel has a tagline and it's we got food at home yep. so angel i want to know do you ever eat out
2: <laughs> um I do. I do eat out. um, Because, I mean, we got food at home, but (laughs) I also enjoy experiences with my people, right? Like, I enjoy, like, going out and having a good time. I enjoy being served and catered to sometimes. (laughs) So, I do. It's not easy to find somewhere to go, though.
1: I, I could did. imagine. <laughs> I, I could imagine.
2: Thank you, Angel. Thank I you did. so
0: much. And thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Soul Affirmations with Kariga and Felicia.
1: With Felicia mm-hmm. and Kariga <laughs> and Angel.
0: And Angel. Grateful. Uh,
1: and the listeners that make this space safe, um, the ones that keep coming back, thank you all for building this community with us. Mm-hmm. Um, if you will, an archive of black stories. Mm-hmm. That highlight our love, that highlight our ability to endure, not just be martyrs, but to endure and thrive.
0: Yes, Angel, can you share how people can keep up with you? What you have happening with the Spice Suite, Black and Forth and otherwise?
2: Uh, Instagram is the easiest place to find me. I'm always hanging out over there um, <laughs> at the Spice Suite. T H E S P I C E S U I T E. All right,
1: y'all follow. and and whenever you get a chance. Get some of them spices. And in fact, I need to grab some of that honey from you before we go. All right. We want to thank our executive producers, Cody and Tommy Oliver, our Our producer, producer, Crystal Hill, from our family to yours, from DC to the world. (laughs) May we all love more abundantly Mm -hmm. until we come across paths next time. Peace. Peace.